I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilles Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media and DailyThunder.com. With me today is my good friend, McKelly Barra. McKelly, what is up? Uh, I don't know. I watched very confusing basketball yesterday. Uh, Rockets and, and Dallas was a very weird game where the Rockets had two superstars and the other team had a guy who at least three front offices didn't want in their teams. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really know why that guy looked like the best player on the court by a mile. I mean, it really didn't feel that close. I mean, Harden's obviously very, very, I mean, he's very good. MVP yeah. candidate, top three MVP yeah. candidate. Like, But yesterday, it was Luca. I mean, that's <laughs> it was insane. I don't know, man. Yep. And, and people knew. People knew how good this guy was. I don't think people knew that he'd be this good this early, but people knew how good he was. And still DeAndre Ayton was taken. And still Marvin Bagley was taken. And still the Hawks traded him. They traded him. And I think that they don't get as much flack because Trey is good. But the gap between Trey and Luca right now is pretty wide, in my opinion. And so it, I yeah. just don't... I. I don't know, man. I mean, here's here's how I flipped it. We were talking about this in the Down to Dunk feed on uh, through text yesterday too. But if you're Dallas, would you take back Trey Young and Cam Reddish for Luca? There's like it's not even a discussion. Like you're just like no, no, no way, no, 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 no way. No, no. It's a bad trade. I don't know. There is well, you are looking it. I think from. Not the the I would not look it into from that point of view though. Like that that is clear. I mean, to me, uh, that that now you you won't have that. Uh, you don't have the trade. It's it's. I agree, hundred percent. But what if you are uh, the Hawks GM and someone would say to you, "Well, you trade. Um, you get two first round picks, and one of the two has the potential to be a top 10 guy in the league. Would you sign that without knowing who is it? Who would you pick without that trade? Like on one hand, you have Trey Young, this Trey Young, plus another guy who may or may not pan out. And on the other hand, you, you have a guy who may fail or not. But you already know about Trey Young. Yeah. We already like, knew about Luca though too though. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's but it's like uh, there were a possibility for Luca, and there is still a possibility for Luca to fail. Uh, not not really big right now, but the, on draft night there was. I mean, we didn't know about his uh, eating habits. Uh, yeah. We didn't know about his commitment on reshaping his body. I remember us discussing that. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, we were convinced 100% that he was the number one pick. And to be fair, we were also convinced that DeAndre Ayton was the number two. Um, and we yeah. probably agreed on Trey Young as the number three or Jaron Jackson Jr. number two and Trey Young number three. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly our conversation back then. But yeah, I mean, Luca was and is the best prospect of this class. He was destroying guys in Euro, in EuroLeague at the age of of 16, 17, and 18, where he basically dominated the league by himself. And now he's doing it in the NBA. I mean, uh, yeah, but, but just, I mean, like, just you can, sensational. You can, t- I mean, we can talk about Luca, but Trey was also, he had a ton of question marks coming to the league. His defense, his ability yeah. to create space. I mean, after watching him in Summer League, it was kind of scary. Like, oh yeah. boy, like he, he can't create space like he did in college, and he had yeah. to really figure out how to do that. And he has, and that's great. But he was all—he had just as many, if not more, question marks because of his size. Uh, yeah. And so, I don't know, man. I, I've—if I'm the Hawks, I'm—I'm I'm a little peeved. And if I'm the Kings <laughs> and Suns, like I, it's like I, I am super peeved. Yes. Just look at him and say, "Listen, we can't help you guys. Like we can't help you guys." I mean, they, yeah. the Suns have Devin Booker. Because they got lucky at the end of the lottery one year, you yeah. know, and then the Kings, I mean, they they have De'Aaron Fox, and if they thought they just had that position locked down, and we're just going to go to twenty ten big man, like if you're if you're saying that phrase, we're just going to go get ourselves a twenty ten big man, then you're just it's you're you're in a bad spot, <laughs> especially if you have yeah. these perimeter guys. Because I mean, you could even Trey and even and Luca. Those guys are going to be some of the best players in the NBA. De'Aaron Fox could yeah. be, uh, but I'm still scared of his shot. And so, yeah. I, I don't know, man. The- and the consistency. I mean, he had a great season, great, but like he was horrible the first season. Uh, last season, he was great, but still his team didn't succeed too much. Like they, they end up being outside of the playoff race mm-hmm. in the second part of the season. He wasn't as great. I mean... <sighs> Luke is just awesome. It's just completely into a different level. I mean, those numbers in year two, like maybe LeBron had those. Maybe. Yeah. We are talking something completely different. Completely he different, is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now uh, as I'm walking into a very nice park. But, uh, I mean, if you go back in history, how many players were in the – MVP conversation 10 games into year two of, of their career. And that sentence is like, it's a real one. I mean, there are voters that would vote for Luca as number one. Yeah. Like, it's, it's insane. It's really insane. I mean, his numbers through 16 games 30 points, 9.8 assists, 10 rebounds, 8.9 free throws per game, shooting 81%. Uh, 62% from two, 34.7% from 62. three. 62. Like, he's, a, he's not a big man. He's almost 50% he, from the field. Yeah. That's, that's really, really insanity. Like I, I was watching, uh, part of the game yesterday because I, I started late, uh, basically when you text me, um, and, and he was getting stuff at the, at the rim from the dribble against like a pretty solid defense mm-hmm. and he was just having it i mean okay houston is not suited to play like early games we know that already but 
he was murdering them on their own court. That's <laughs> yeah, in Houston. It's a in big Houston. deal. Yeah. I mean, you go there and he basically dominated from the first second of the game. <laughs> like there was no chance for them. It's Oh, it's, so good. oh, by the way, this is a Thunder-related podcast. It is. It is. so in love with Luca. <laughs> yeah. If you if you listen to us for any length of time, you know our obsession with Luka Doncic, and we took even we even took a lot of flack from people during the draft yeah. process about how much yeah. we liked Luca. <laughs> I remember this tweet. I don't remember the person who did it. Uh, you are getting over yourself with Luca. Apparently, we were not. Yeah. <laughs> because we said that uh, the, there were generational, generational talent probably one or twice, once or twice. Yeah. And we should have said that way more. We should have said it way more. My two favorite things are Thunder basketball and Christmas. That's right. The Christmas season is just around the corner, and I want to invite you and your family to a free event that kicks off this December and the Christmas season, opening night. For all details, you can go to openingnightokc.com. At this event, we have plenty of fun attractions planned for you and your family, including a ride-along story, a petting zoo, a photo booth, a puppet theater, and a really awesome Christmas concert. We would love for you to come and join us at opening night, openingnightokc.com. So come out December 1st from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Council Road Baptist Church and join us at opening night. OpeningNightOKC.com. We would love to see you. Merry Christmas. That Lakers team is really good. And that game in OKC, I was there in the arena. It was really fun. Like, that was Mm -hmm. a fun basketball game. Back and forth. The Thunder had a chance to win it. Uh, And, you know, that's that's about all you can ask for against a team of that quality uh, to compete and give yourself a chance to win. And so, you know, Shea continues to really impress we talk about Luca's numbers Shea's numbers aren't you know you know close to that but through 15 games for Shea 19 points per game three assists five boards 47 percent from two uh four free throws per game which I, I want to see that number increase I think yeah. you look at the nine that Luca has and you look at the numbers that like James Harden has and even like the numbers that Westbrook had whenever he was in his prime those numbers are high. Like those are close to double digits, if not in double digits, for free throw attempts per game, and that yeah. to me will be the difference. That will be the difference mm-hmm. between him being a twenty point scorer and a twenty eight point scorer per game. Yeah. Uh, but he's shooting seventy nine percent from there. I think that that can increase, but still, that's that's a good number. Forty percent from three on four point one attempts. I mean, he's the what he's done from the three point line so far this season has been kind of crazy because he's not just spotting up in the corner and waiting for Chris Paul to throw him the ball. And it feels like he hardly ever really is doing that. The ball will swing around and he'll get an open shot. And it almost feels like it's automatic. It feels like once he gets it, he's wide open on the wing. He's going to make it, but he's also making step back threes. He's making threes off the dribble. Uh, He's made some threes in transition. So those are, that was one thing that before the season, I, I want to see it. Is this real? Is this something that he's capable of doing? Because we know that he's capable of driving, getting to the basket in creative ways. Great. But can he be a good to great three-point shooter? And through 15 games, the answer is yes. Now, 
what does this look like 45 games in? I don't know. Uh, but I but I can say that through 15 games, he's I mean, he's blown away my expectations for him as a three point shooter. Especially if you factor in the fact that he's playing against the top of the competition in the league. Yeah. Um, no question. Like, okay, he faced a lot of good defenses and a lot of good teams, period. And he was able to be effective against them. Now, the the two point percentage, I think he in the future will be able to increase that as well mm-hmm. because he started off really well, especially between games five and game ten. The last five games, he was he's not that great in terms of two point percentage. He struggled a lot in finishing at the basket, but I think that that will come back to him mm-hmm. uh, sooner or later, especially when he will use his three point threat more because right now he's not using it um which is also fine because you don't want to overdo uh you want to be good at the things that you are already good and then try new stuff uh once or twice per game which is what luca uh, what um shay is doing um i wonder if him being more matured physically next year or in the next few years will help also in the fouling thing because you mentioned three players you mentioned Harden you mentioned Russ and Luca those especially now those are big dudes like yeah. Harden is strong is really mm-hmm. strong and he was not as strong in the first few years in the league um so you have to be able to absorb contacts and, and I think Shea is not at that level of power physically and so but but on the other end i think that his frame allows him will allow him to fill up a bit and be more strong uh this is something that you usually get not early in your career i remember jeremy grant in year two was a completely different player than jeremy grant in year three and four Mm -hmm. from a physical standpoint he was not able to hold any contact with the rim and then in year three he really made the change by working on his balance on his core and he was able at the end of year three and especially in year four to absorb contacts and be effective at the rim so it's something that that is really not technical he's not like he has to learn new ways to get space at the basket that 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 may be as well, but but the majority of the shots that he doesn't get through are, I think, um, related to the contact that he doesn't absorb so well now. Yeah, no, I think that is an excellent point because I think a lot of times with the Thunder, with young guys with the Thunder, it's always been like, well, if he can just learn to dribble or if he can just learn to shoot, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, as I know, he... Shea is an outstanding offensive player. He has he has a chance to be one of the most complete offensive players in the league because he can get to the basket, he can shoot it from three, uh, he can find guys and give them the ball. Uh, but he does have to work on his strength and his ability to absorb contact. And if he can do that and continue to finish like he has been creatively and getting to the basket creatively, I think that... It's just a no-brainer because he can manipulate the defense in ways that very few guys can. Uh, he has these wow moments, and there's there's really not a ton of guys in the league that do this, that can just dribble around inside the three-point line and get to the basket and have the entire crowd, like, ooing and aahing over him. Like, whoa, like, I can't, how did he do that? You know, there's not a lot of those guys. 
you know, it's it's Kyrie Irving, it's probably James Harden, um, Steph Curry. There's just not a lot of those guys that that do stuff like that. Uh, Lou Williams might be another guy that can do stuff like that. But there's just it's a handful, and Shea is yeah. one of them. And so, yeah. if he can use that ability to manipulate the defense into getting to the free throw line, which it's it it feels like so easily translatable, you know, like that's got to, <clears throat> that's got to be a thing that he can learn to do. And once he does that, that will be what helps him to take off and go to the next level. When you see that free throw, the free throw number, the free throw attempt increase, uh, along with sustaining his three point shot. I mean, we're I, I was skeptical of him as a star. I thought. I, I honestly just thought that he had the ability to be a star just because I'd heard other people say it. I watched yeah. him some with the Clippers, but so you watch him with the Clippers and you're like, okay, like he's he's good. He fits in. He's trying really hard in the playoffs. He took it to another level. That's great. Uh, is that something he can do over an 82 game season plus the playoffs? I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen him do it. Uh, but the 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 leap he's made plus the maturity that he shows, you know with his teammates and his ability to be coached and to get better. Cause I do think that Billy, Billy takes a lot of flack and you, you talk, you built, built Billy up a little bit on Thunder After Dark. <coughs> but I think that Billy is doing a really good job with Shay and managing him and helping him and teaching him. And there's a lot to not like about Billy Donovan, I think. And, and a lot of it is not even his fault. Some of it is just the results that have happened um, with this Thunder team. And I get that. And that's a part of his job. I feel like the the defense falling apart every year uh, with those Russ and Paul George teams, yeah, that's a problem. And is that player related? Is that coaching related? We could. It's hard to parse that out. Um, but you, I, I can't say enough about the way that he has developed guys like Jeremy Grant um, and now, like Shay, and even Ferguson, and um, we're going to talk about a sponsor real quick, and then I want to talk about Terrence Ferguson and the kind of games that he's had over the past few days. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about KP's cleaning service. It's a small local business servicing the OKC metro area and surrounding areas, including my own home, and they do such a good job. It's a unique cleaning experience. I mean. KP's cleaning services brought me banana bread to my front doorstep, and it was delicious. It's just like the one more thing that they do for their customers is that they show that they care. Not only do they want to clean your house and do a great job, but they also care about their customers, and they've done such a great job. We've been so impressed every time. When I hear that they're coming, I get excited, and I walk in the door, and the house is just immaculate in every room. And so please contact KP's cleaning service. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram, just search KP's cleaning services, or you can call or text 405-290-8172. That's 405-290-8172 for a free quote. Again, it's Thanksgiving week. I know that you have forgotten that you have to clean your entire house when your family's coming over, so give them a call and let KP's Cleaning Service do it for you. 
Uh, I want to talk about Ferguson and the the turn that we've seen from him as an offensive player. Really, since the, all the stuff that surfaced with his daughter and all of that, I feel like he's a changed man in a lot of ways. And I don't know if sometimes you probably, if you feel like you're, if you're keeping a secret or trying to hold something in that some people just can't function like that. And so maybe, you know, I thought, like, I feel really bad for Ferguson and everything, but now that everything's out, maybe he feels kind of freedom, you know, for that. And maybe people understand the situation a little bit better because by all accounts and things that I've heard, it sounds like he's a, a great dad and a great guy. And so, but his, his play on the court as an offensive player has been um, surprising in ways. And it's, not all just that he shot the ball well or the ball's going in. His passing, especially against the Lakers on Friday night, there he threw a couple passes. There's one to Baisley in the corner that, for the most part in the past, it's been like, okay, he doesn't see that. And mm-hmm. he's, he's seeing <laughs> these passes that are kind of shocking to me. And it's I'm talking about like two or three passes. I'm not talking about like ten or twenty passes in a game. But the fact that he can do that uh, is is a game changer for him because in the past he has just been you catch the ball and you shoot it and that's really yeah. all you do and you attack a closeout and he there was one attack of a closeout on Friday that I really wish that he would have gone straight into the body of. Um, I don't remember if it was JaVale or Dwight or who, who it mm-hmm. was. But he was he was from a corner three, pump fake, drive, and he tried to like do like this layup around and there was just no way it was gonna happen. And he didn't get fouled and he didn't even get close to the rim. And I to me that's where you wanna draw contact and just you you try to finish over him and if you don't you're getting fouled for sure. You know? And those yeah. are those are the moments where you can see where he still needs some improvement, some growth when attacking a closeout. But I've been impressed with his confidence as a shooter, and I've been impressed with his ability to create for others, which I just thought that if you were grading him on a 1 to 10, I thought he's like he's like a 1 or a 2 at best. But if he can create like that, you know, if you know two or three times a game, like that's very valuable to this team. Yeah, it is. And I think that when you are a role player, and I do think that Ferg, like if you had hopes, uh, as I did, to be fair, uh, that he could be a little bit more than a role player, maybe the start of the season tells you it is that for now. Um what I was saying, I was saying that if you have hopes uh, that that you to, to get Ferg to be a very good role player, you don't have to do many things. Mm-hmm. You have to do very good on defense, and Ferguson is at times good, at times I think exceptional. Uh, there were a few games in the beginning of the season where he was just insane in terms of uh, defense, in terms of the way he guarded guys. Um, and on the other end, you have to be functional. You don't have to be extremely special in order to be a great role player, especially if you have all that defensive part already mm-hmm. uh, on you. So it's shooting the ball great, uh, well, well when they, they pass the ball to you and you are open. B, learn to attack a closeout. And attacking a closeout doesn't mean uh, creating offense for yourself necessarily. It means making the correct read. 
if the closeout is there for you, I like the action that you uh, described where he could uh, went into uh, JaVale. At least he, he, he read the situation well and he tried to, make, to, to create the shot for himself. Or you have to do a simple read to someone else. Mm-hmm. And if you are able to do these three things, you will be in the NBA, in an NBA court for your career. Yeah. Because I mean, players like that who can make a simple play out of a closeout situation and maybe do a few three few things more when you are not in a closeout, maybe you attack a screen, maybe you relocate with um and, and try to find the space for a shot. Like those those are the little things that really matter. And to me, Ferguson has shown that if OKC gives him a chance in terms of playing time, in terms of uh shots creating for him he can respond well enough and yeah this this is great to watch because he if he plays like that i do think that he is part of the future the same way i think about hami nowadays Mm -hmm. like and we can briefly transition to hami i think that when he when guys like that show that they can belong uh with simple stuff like with consistency then it's where you think that those guys can be part of your long-term long-term plan because you will need a guy like ferguson in the future like if you let him walk you will need a guy like him you will need a guy that can defend that can make simple reads and that can make shots and on the other end you will need a guy who is just pure energy off the bench i mean i i don't know how to quantify the difference between a guy like Nader who came off the bench uh, in, in Los Angeles and Hami, like he, the energy level that he had and the decisiveness and the effectiveness, it's totally on a different scale. Yeah. Well, the activity, like the activity yeah. on the defensive end where he's, he's going to make something happen. Yeah. And I mean, Nader makes thing makes things happen, but just on the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> he makes <laughs> makes things happen. And uh, and you know, I don't. Nader is he's just not a great player, and that's just no. a fact. And he's he's got tunnel vision, and he's not an effective defender. And you want to you want to see more of Hami, and I, I hate that Hami hyperextended his elbow. It looked really bad. It looked like he was in a ton of pain in that yeah. Lakers game, and that's a shame. You want because he's had a great season so far. I mean, he's shooting fifty yes, percent from the field, eight, you know, almost nine points per game, three boards, one point five steals. Which that one point five steals number is pretty big, coming off the bench yeah. and playing twenty minutes. If you're getting one to two steals a game, like those those can change the game, especially when you're looking at the past three games, how close they were. One or two steals in a game that leads to a transition basket, which the Thunder have struggled to get transition baskets, but he's one of those guys that can create those for you, is big and could be a game-changing play that happens in the middle of the third quarter that you don't realize that that's a game changer. But Hami creates those uh, for this team, and it, it stinks that he's out. Uh, but you also just <laughs> wish they would just play Deontay because <laughs> I think yeah, Deontay... Yeah. And it's not Nader's fault. I mean, let's no, let's no. Here, here. Yes, exactly. As yes. much as it's not Carmelo's fault that Portland decide to, to sign him and to start him, uh, it's not Nader's fault. If the coaching staff still plays him, 
he's not it is not his fault he's clearly doing the best he can and he clearly is a professional because otherwise if if he were not like a, a true professional there's no way he's still in okc it's just not good at basketball at this level mm-hmm. i mean i I, t- I see him being a great contributor here in europe for example uh, there are yeah. many players uh with his size maybe with not uh not with an elite talent but they're good enough i mean his side step and and or his penetrations can be great here in europe uh there not so much i mean he really struggles and so but again it's not his fault i don't want to uh destroy him as a, as a player because it's not fair is mm-hmm. he's given like the coaching staff has given him a lot of chances and i don't think that the answer are positive except for that game in utah uh against utah back to from the ulster game a year ago but you you don't want to to put too much stock into a single game or uh, a short game. Stretch. Yeah, really, really, just like a five-minute stretch that he played well. Yeah, in the in overtime where yeah. he won the game. Well, anyway, yeah. uh, th- those were great times. I remember those. <laughs> that was a fun game. That floater over Gobert from yeah. PG was so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about lineups because the okay. Thunder lineup data is is interesting. Uh, the starting lineup is with Chris Paul, Ferguson, Gallo, Adams, Shea. Has played the most minutes together by far, 141 mm-hmm. minutes together. Uh, but there's some concerning numbers within it. Uh, the defensive rating is a 117 oh, for nice. that lineup. Uh, which is uh, that's sad. <laughs> it's, like, it's, a, it's not sad. It's It's having like... I don't want to to say that it's all Gallo's fault, nor it's all Chris Paul's fault. But if you look at how they guard in quarter number one and three, you yeah. have the answer to that rating. Maybe they can yeah. clinch it in the, in the, in the late minutes. Uh, I, I would like to see that lineup in crunch time, especially after the first few games where they were horrible. Uh, but they they try to defend a little bit more in the in the in the last minutes of the game. Sure. But before, no, they, they just they just don't care. So in the first quarter, they have a defensive rating of 103. Okay. And I'm horrified to sort this third quarter. <laughs> this third quarter stat. Because I just cannot imagine. I mean, it's, it's 123 in the yeah. third quarter. Awesome. I mean... It's pretty. It's brutal. I mean, and that's yeah. and that's where this that's where this team struggles is coming out of halftime. Mm-hmm. Their net rating for the starting lineup is a minus thirteen point one, which, if you've watched all fifteen Thunder games, I think that rings very true. Is that yeah. they cannot play well to start the third quarter, and I think there's a couple different thoughts on that that i have and one is is it that teams have are figuring out the thunder and they're getting a feel for what they can and can't do and i i think i've heard this thought floating around that a lot of teams think the thunder just aren't very good and Mm -hmm. that they after halftime they get a feel for who they are they put together a game plan they execute it and they just absolutely obliterate the Thunder in the third quarter. 
and the Thunder have to adjust and then get back to where they are. And they, and that's what that's what it looks like to me. And that may not be true. Thunder just could be slow, you know, coming out of the half because Chris Paul and, and Gallo and even Adams, who had a great game against the Lakers at home, uh, but in other circumstances, he hasn't looked great. If you if all three of those guys are slower on defense, uh, and Shea isn't elite, and Ferguson's really like the only great defender that's out there, uh, the one twenty three makes sense. But they have the ability there, like the ability's there. They're playing against the same guys, and they're you know the defensive rating is you know twenty points better, twenty points better in the first quarter yeah. than it yeah. is in the third quarter, uh, which is. It's it's terrifying, and I, I think that that's well, something that that they why terrifying could fix. though. Well, I I mean it's not. I mean if you're wanting to win games, it's terrifying. I, I get, is is what I would say. Yeah, I know. I mean, let's take into account the the opponents once again. I mean, uh, I sure. know that it doesn't. It's always bad to hear guys say, "Well, yeah, but they they were playing against Lakers." But it's it's actually true. Like it's good true. teams, but the twenty point teams, swing, like a twenty point no, swing. There's no just there's no answer, real answer to that, except that I I think that part is what you said. Uh, they're figuring figuring uh, OKC out a little bit, uh, especially when you think that OKC is closer to the opponent uh, right around the, the halftime, and then. The other teams really push it, yeah. Um, and so that that is part of the the equation for sure. And also, I mean, you said that Shea is not elite. I don't think that Shea has been a good defender this season. He started out okay, yeah. But you, there you, are there are evenings and games where he just is not good. Um, he's not like uninterested or uh, lazy. He has to learn how to guard wings, um, and especially good wings that run uh, through screens. And so I think that he will improve on that, but he's not there yet. Uh, I mean, Gallo can be Carmelo-like bad in yeah. w- when he doesn't want to play defense. But again, do you prefer to have Gallo a little bit more rested, a little bit less involved in the in the defensive part, and having healthy? Or you prefer him to go 100%. I mean, we all know the answer. And, and he knows the answer. He knows that he's up for a contract next year. He doesn't want to get hurt. And so there are lots of stuff that goes into that number. And with sure. Chris Paul, it's the same. Uh, I mean, you would want to have him, to have them better in the third. And I think that when the competition level will start to drop a little bit, we'll see a better team. But on the other hand, you can understand why they are this bad. Maybe not this bad. Um, it's also like random numbers sometimes. Uh, 10 games, if you look at the net rating over 10, 15 games, it's not really stable yet. Yeah. The number that we are looking towards is 25, 30 games. So mm-hmm. double the sample size to really understand tendencies. Um, another example to say that the rating of a quarter is not really what a team is. Uh, it it may show you what a team can go, but not what a team is. So I remember the first stint of Billy as a coach in OKC. Like in, in a huge chunk of the season, OKC was horrible 
in the fourth quarter. Just horrible. They couldn't mm-hmm. win game. They couldn't close game. And and that suddenly was gone in the playoffs. Up until game six, where they reverted to being a bad offensive uh, team late in the um, late in games. Mm-hmm. And so this shows you, or at least keep, provides an example of teams that have certain uh, tendencies, but they can be over... Uh, like you can have them there and and see that the the team did that, but it's not really who they are. And mm-hmm. or maybe you can see them and see well they can overcome those uh, for stretches. I don't know. I mean it's it's just it's just weird how sometimes team work. Yeah, yeah. I mean there are a ton of factors that go into a small. I mean we I was talking about the the net rating of that the the third quarter starting lineup it's like 20 minutes total in 15 games and so yeah, we're yeah, not exactly. talking we're not talking about a massive sample of data here it's a tiny sample really and so yeah. we do have the 141 minutes which is getting closer to okay let's 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 figure out who these guys are and once you get closer to 200 minutes, I think that you've kind of settled on who they are. And right now they're a negative seven, 3.7 net rating with 117 defensive rating, 113 offensive rating. Yeah. It's like that's who they've been. And the lineup that – and there's still not a ton of data on this either, but the three-guard lineup is the best lineup that the Thunder have had um, in their top five played lineups. And I think that's one that I, I think a lot of us questioned heading into the season, playing Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Gallo, and Adams. But that's been by far their best lineup. And in limited minutes, their def- the defense has been good. Yeah. Um, and, that's, and that's another, like, I think it's easy to criticize Billy for taking Terrence out against the Clippers. And it looked like it was clearly the wrong decision to make after uh, Paul George made that shot. But heading into that game, the defensive rating is a 93.8 with that group, yeah. which is a wild number. I mean, that is a a wild number. And again, a small sample size number, but still a, a wild number. And the truth is, the defensive effort they've gotten from Dennis Schroeder has been great. <laughs> He's been he's been a a a good to find defender for this yeah, which team, is, which is something for him. For it his is, standard. yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know what else is crazy? How good Peyton Marie photo is. You got to go to Peyton Marie photo on Instagram or go to PeytonMarie.com. Uh, Peyton is an Oklahoma-based wedding photographer. Her main goal is to capture authentic emotion and unforgettable moments through bold and creative images. Her photography style is non-traditional, genuine, and a bit out of the box. She believes your photos should be true, a true reflection of who you are, that your wedding photos sh- shouldn't look like anyone else's. She's based in OKC, but she'd love to travel anywhere for destination weddings and elopements. Right now, Peyton is giving us 10% off. For Down to Dunk listeners, make sure you mention Down to Dunk to her. And if you book in 2019, she is going to give you 10% off your package, which is huge. It's a huge, huge deal for anybody that has gotten married, has seen the bill. 
It's a big deal. So make sure you contact Peyton at Peyton Marie at Peyton Marie Photo on Instagram, PeytonMarie.com, and support the people that support Down to Dunk. McKelly, I think you got to go, but yeah. Any parting thoughts? Well, I want to see. Um, well, first and, sh- and further, uh, I think that his effort was um, has been better uh, as of late, as you said. And also, with Chris Paul being able to guard bigger guys, you can slide further into the other ball handler and having Shea guarding one of the other um, wings of the opponent team. And so that's why I think uh, the the defense can work. I do think that, that, that Dennis, when he's engaged on a ball handler that doesn't really uh, go through screens, can be um, can be good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... That is surely something that 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 uh, um, that influences that 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 number that we discussed before. I also want to see how Shea, Ferguson, Hami, and Basley play together. This yeah. is something that doesn't happen a lot, but it is what OKC will be, I think, in a couple of months. And I would love to see that more because, I mean, I think that those guys are okay too good. Those are. And, and they can play together, yeah. maybe with a with a Stephen Adams as as a center. Not very, not not a ton of shooting there, but maybe enough energy to play and to to be a great defensive unit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm interested in that for a variety of reasons. Um, we haven't really talked about Basley. Basley had a really great first half against the yeah. Lakers uh, here in OKC. Uh, okay, so the Thunder play Golden State tonight. Worst team in basketball. Uh, I just love being able to say those words together and also hate it at the very same time. Uh, Portland, the Thunder play in Portland Wednesday night, which it makes me nervous because I know they've been bad, but it just feels like they could be good again just against OKC for one night. (laughs) And then they play the Pelicans Friday night here in Oklahoma City. which should be interesting. So some winnable games this week for OKC, uh, and we'll see how they perform. So thanks for listening to our podcast. Follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. You can follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you've got time in your day. And if you have an iPhone, it's very simple. Click on the purple podcast app. Search Down to Dunk. Oh, my, McKelly. Um, oh, and, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> uh, search down to dunk, hit five stars, boom, you're done. We appreciate everybody that's done that so far. I know we have a lot of people that haven't done that. So if you have a chance today, do that. Have a great day. I want to talk to you guys again on Wednesday.